there, dead and lovely listening crowd to Dead and Lovely, your absolute favorite horror movie review podcast in the known multiverse. Here with the host with the most, Uncle Ben, and who's that wonderful, dashing, daring, handsome man I've got on the other end of this phone call here? Well, it's your hoist with the moist, Hollywood Steven Spradling. <laughs> the moist hoist. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Mm-mm. I have no idea. I'll tell you what, Steve. I am drinking a beer right now that tastes like yeah. some shit. What it is? It is a uh, it is a new Belgian Voodoo Ranger IPA. Okay. It is not lovely. You know, I am an IPA's man, and New Belgium yeah. makes some some pretty decent beers and stuff. But man, this they thing, do. It just tastes weird. It kind of tastes like I think like if you fed like like a wild sloth, a whole bunch of IPAs, and then just sort of <laughs> squeezed them into a glass. <laughs> that would be adorable. It kind of would. You'd be like, oh. Yeah. oh it's so cute. Yeah. yeah. You drink anything tonight, Steve? Uh, yeah, I'm actually just uh, sipping on a little rum. Oh, rum, man. Go to Jamaica, man. Yep. That's me. Me and the Irie just uh, enjoying some rum. Lord of mercy. A boy. <laughs> right near the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been out there in them Hollywood Hills this week, Steve? Man, I've been good. Um, it's, uh, you know, at that point where it's it's dark a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes, it yes. Just, I just feel so tired all the time. Do um, you get the seasonal effective kind of thing, too? You know, I don't, I don't get the, uh, I don't start to feel sad or anything, but I certainly do uh, feel more tired. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel more subdued too. Actually, my anxiety sort of lessens in the winter, but I also sleep a ton. So <laughs> you're uh, not awake enough to enjoy it. I'm not awake enough to enjoy it. So yeah, <laughs> that's funny, man. What about you, Ben? How's the, how uh, things been going? I I know you uh, played a Skankbanger show, or at least Davy Stranger did, and you guys are friends. It's true, yeah, yeah. I heard from Davy Stranger about that Skankbanger show that he played. So as as we record this, listeners, it is the week after Christmas in the year of our Lord 2017, um, and the day after Christmas, there my my 80s hair metal cover band Skankbanger had a show, and it was. It was a humdinger, I'll tell you that. It was an all-out slobber knocker. Now, Ben, I think because of your connection to Davy Stranger yes. and your connection to Spider-Man through mm. being Uncle Ben, True. Um, perhaps you, your backstory should be that <laughs> you, whenever Davy's rocking the stage, yeah. you... You, Ben Eller, come away with some great photos of it, just like Peter Parker does <laughs> with Spider-Man. And everybody would be like, we saw it, you are just taking selfies on stage. Yeah, that was, like, there are literally pictures of you holding the camera up, taking selfies. You know what you know? I should do, though, is like, even earlier today I posted a couple of, of great Davy Stranger uh, pictures from the concert. I should just totally be like, took this great picture of Davy from the crowd at the Skank Bang show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that That's would, hilarious. that would be awesome. <laughs> it was an awesome show, though, man. Like, basically mm-hmm. everybody was way too drunk including all of us in the band that's great yeah pre- that's always fun pre-gamed a little too hard um not i don't i don't even know how but not remembering that when you play in an 80s hair metal cover band 
uh, people people throw drinks at the stage all night. They're just throwing, and your mouth wow. is going to be open, and you're going to catch <laughs> liquor in your mouth at some point. <laughs> so we were all just fucking shit house, like a little too much, like. Probably didn't yeah. play the best, but no, probably it was still a lot of fun, and and there was a huge crowd of people and stuff out there. I think people, um, you know, people people go out right after Christmas to either forget that they don't have a family or to forget that they have a family. So <laughs> it works out either way. <laughs> How's your Christmas, dude? Uh, very subdued. My wife worked Christmas, um, uh, in the day after because she worked a double because. She got holiday play, pay and then double that for Holy working shit. over. Yeah. Anyway, um, so she slept the next day, most of that, because she had worked for 16 hours. I believe that. Hoeing ain't an easy job, Steve. It ain't. It ain't easy, but they do give holiday pay, so that's <laughs> awesome. Very considerate. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, we've, we've really just been watching um, movies a lot. Nice. Um, yeah, I watched Home Alone the other day, which, you know, I don't want to... We're, we're getting into the first week of January with this episode. I don't want to talk too much more about Christmas, but uh, Home Alone, man, those people were rich. <laughs> I know, right? And man, like the, what a soundtrack. They were really rich. Yeah. Yeah, great soundtrack. But they were, like, one of the jokes is that his uncle is a cheapskate, but... Like his uncle, his uncle's flying first class to France. Yeah, <laughs> what a cheapskate, huh? What a cheapskate. Like, yeah. Um, and then his dad is seriously—he's—he's he's loaded. This yeah. guy obviously has so much money that um, it, it's weird to me <laughs> that the kid um didn't have like a panic room or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you think that Home Alone is what created the idea of the panic room? It might be. Somebody watched that and they're like, you know what this really could have needed? Panic room. A panic room. this whole situation. Yep. <laughs> That's funny, man. Did you watch anything else? Oh, yeah. I uh, I watched a couple movies. I watched one that I did not enjoy at all. It's called The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Okay, I haven't seen this yet. You didn't like it. I've heard a lot of really good stuff about it. I've heard from a lot of people that really dug that yeah. movie. Man, um, I'll give it. I'll give it uh, another shot, maybe sometime. But yeah. uh, I was not digging it. I really wasn't. What's your gut reaction? One out of ten score on that bad boy. I got four, maybe a three. Yeah, damn. I, I, I didn't. I didn't love it. And and Brian Cox is in it, and he, I love Brian Cox, but like. Um, I don't know. It just seemed convoluted, <laughs> like extremely convoluted. I don't know why it just hit me that Brian Cox's name inverts into crying box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What wasn't good about it? Was it just like trite or bad acting or what? No, I think the acting was good, and I think like there was a there was a seed of a good story there. Yeah, but they kept taking the easy way out in a lot of things. I don't want to ruin it, and and definitely you know give it a shot. Um, but like there there is something that happens near the end that absolutely just is impossible mm. it only happens to serve the story but it, like even in the way that they film it and show it 
it it's senseless. It's like no way that it would have happened that way. Hmm. Um, I I don't know. I, I really f <laughs> I kept finding myself uh, losing my my patience with it. So right. I just uh, I tried to not pay too much attention near the end. <laughs> gotcha. One of those ones where it was just kind of hard to continue suspending disbelief. Is what you're saying? Yeah. But I, I mean, a lot of people like it, and you know, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the babysitter. A lot of people love the babysitter. Mm -hmm. yeah, I enjoyed you know. it. Yeah, you might as well give it a shot. It's. Um, I think it was on like Showtime or something. Um, it's worth a watch. I'm sure. I mean, honestly, I, I didn't hate it. It just. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was just some. <laughs> Something about it that really irked me in the beginning, and mm. I can't put my finger on it. Gotcha, man. Gotcha. I, you know what? I watched a movie that I really expected to hate and was supremely shocked by how little I hated it. Okay. What it was? It's called La La Land. Oh, okay. I really expected to hate that movie, man, because like, I'm, I'm not even like... A musical guy at all and then it's like you're telling mm -hmm. me you're gonna make a musical by people that can't really sing or dance that well because like really when yeah. you watch it like have you seen it no like ryan gosling and uh what's her name emma stone uh, emma stone like neither of them are, are graceful agile dancing creatures um it's okay. not like watching the musicals of, of yesteryear where you could at least uh, yeah. appreciate the pageantry and the athleticism of the dancing and so on mm -hmm. singing in the rain yeah exactly exactly but you know what it was it was actually just one of those movies it's just a very agreeable very enjoyable watch and it's beautiful it's an absolutely beautiful movie the cinematography hmm. just the visual style of the movie extremely mm -hmm. extremely gorgeous and honestly man it's kind of like it's kind of worth watching the whole thing just for like the very last scene like the very last scene oh, okay. and the way that it kind of like wraps up on itself. It had me kind of scratching my head for a minute. Uh-huh. And then, you know, and no spoilers or anything, but it's like, you know, right at the very end when it all comes together, like, oh, wow, goddamn, that was really, really, really cool. So, yeah, cool. I was I was shocked by how little I hated it, man. <laughs> that should be a category, like, um, at the end of the year. They do the best of lists and the worst of lists. They should have the surprise that I didn't hate it list. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> hey, dead and lovely listeners, it's Uncle Ben. I just wanted to bust into this podcast here and tell you guys that we are about to spoil the ever-living dog shit out of Star Wars The Last Jedi. So if you do not want this spoiled for you, skip ahead to 37 minutes into the podcast, and after that it will be spoiler-free. Enjoy! Now, Steve, last time we got together on our show, we had both just recently seen uh, the newest in the Star Wars saga, The Last Jedi, and we didn't mm -hmm. want to we didn't want to get too in depth about our thoughts about that flick because at that time it was just out for like a week or so. But now, when this comes out, that movie will have been out for what three weeks or something like that. Yeah. So I want to go ahead and dish and talk a little bit about this movie with you here because yeah. you seem to really enjoy it. We're going to spoil the fuck out of this movie. Um, I'll go back through after this is recorded and put a, a timestamp warning of when you can skip to so I don't spoil this movie for you because there's a lot yeah. of fucking stuff to spoil in this movie because a oh, yeah. lot of shit happens. So if you haven't seen ton. it, yeah, if you haven't seen it, you know, skip ahead to my warning that I put on the timestamp and stuff there, but... I want to kind of cover a little bit of this with you because we've not really talked about it 
um, at all, other than what we talked about last week on the show. So uh-huh. you really enjoyed it. I had some problems with it, and the more I think about it, there's a few things in my mind that I've kind of softened up on, and then there's a uh-huh. few things in my mind that I'm kind of like more pissed about. Mm. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about the Luke Skywalker character arc? Um, I like it. Okay. Um, I think what we see Luke become is Yoda. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's he's this mixture of Obi Wan and Yo and Yoda, and so there's this like playfulness and weirdness to him. It's true. But also like that uh, that uh, that that. F- sense that there's something dark behind all of it Mm -hmm. like that there's something sad and and i guess haunted that's a good way to put it obi-wan always did kind of have that sort of remorseful kind of haunted like you said sort of tinge to his character so Yeah. yeah that does that does make sense and especially too like that was one of the first issues that i had coming out of the movie was the character Luke Skywalker, because, you know, to me in my head, this is the guy who, even though his father, you know, Darth Vader, had killed like millions of fucking people, uh-huh. you know, there at the end, he saw a glimmer of hope in him. He saw the little tiny bit of Anakin Skywalker that was still alive in Darth Vader. Yeah. And he was like, I have hope for my dad. I'm going to fight alongside him against the Emperor and stuff like this. Like, he, yeah. he fought for this guy who had already killed millions of people. Um, and then later on in his life, he's teaching some Jedis and he just kind of has a little suspicion. He says, hey, I think one day... My nephew, even though he hasn't done anything yet, I mm. I think maybe my nephew one day might be naughty. I should murder him in his sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that is that how that goes? Um, it's it's not, but it is in the Jedi universe. I oh, mean, there've been yeah, it, yeah, and pre- yeah. I mean, there've been previous indications that that. Like is exactly what uh, Obi Wan would have done. Mm-hmm. That it's probably what Yoda would have done. Like the the Jedi weren't. I, I mean, especially when you watch the prequels, which I mean, again, aren't great. But if you're really into this universe, you might as well watch them a few times and and get the real sense that the Jedi were flawed. They're human. F- extremely flawed and made a lot of political decisions decisions that didn't exactly take the force into account quite so much as um they were worried about how they would be perceived yeah yeah it seems like if these if these new movies are taking anything from the prequels it is just the character study of of the jedis and stuff and like i said exactly that was one of my first big problems with with Last Jedi again is is just the character arc of Luke, but then yeah. Now my buddy John Cooper he just posted this little meme that was like you know it showed a picture of Luke and a picture of Yoda and a picture of Obi Wan uh-huh. and it was like oh you know they ruined the Star Wars franchise Luke would never have done this blah blah blah, and then it's like the Obi Wan picture is like actually you know after my student failed after I failed my student he became a Sith like I wouldn't hit out on a desert planet and change my name and hope that nobody yep. would find me. And then, like with yep. Yoda, he was like, "I failed to notice that, you know, Sith was or, or Palpatine was a Sith, and so I went in exile, lived on a a swamp planet forever." And it's like, "Oh, yeah, I guess they did kind of do that, didn't they?" Yep. 
Yeah, it's uh, I think that Ryan Johnson, because like if you're really deep into Star Wars, generally what you're deep into is the characters and the lore behind the characters and a lot of people were really into the extended universe mm-hmm. and you know or were upset that they sort of jettisoned that but what ryan johnson saw was the way to tell a deeper story and to tease out the things that george lucas was getting at but mm-hmm. wasn't as adept at demonstrating yeah totally fleshing out yeah so like ryan johnson was able to take you know um he's able to give us this awesome you know battle scene in snoke's throne room with Mm -hmm. the imperial guard like which was awesome yeah and we've always seen imperial guard we've always seen these different like levels in the empire but we never see them fight all we ever saw was stormtroopers terribly firing blasters oh yeah and then like imperial guards just kind of mean mugging just kind of standing around yeah yeah and like you know in in the prequels we got a lot of a lot more jedi fighting um but it was it was good to see like all those interesting outfits and things uh have something behind them yeah they were in motion they were fighting and stuff yeah, there's actually some badasses, and they have uh, that armor that looks like the Meat Wolf armor from uh, um, uh, Bram Stoker's that, Dracula. The Arby's armor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I will say that for the movie, like on the subject of the fight scenes and stuff, I do feel like this movie had some of the best um, action bits and fight scenes and stuff that we've seen in any Star Wars movie ever. Even that very first kind of you know galactic battle scene was top tier is fucking badass and then yeah. like i said the fight scenes and stuff are cool i do i do really 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 wish though that we would have gotten to see a luke skywalker you know who had been training his whole life as a jedi just jedi fucking master just uh-huh. get to utterly whip ass one more time like i would have yeah. loved to see i mean the same way you know Remember how cool it was to see Yoda kick ass, and then how cool it was to yeah. see like Vader kick ass at the end of Rogue One. It's like, yeah, I wanted to see Luke rip some shit before he went. But I, I gotta say, I'm I'm pleased with the way that he went out. I'm glad that nobody beat him or bested him, especially Kylo, because like, uh-huh. Kylo is, is is super super weak and has gotten his ass handed to him in every movie so far. So it would have been lame if he beat Luke fucking Skywalker. There's something that what this also brought out with Kylo Ren is that, you know, in the past, being a good Jedi meant being able to move stuff with your mind Mm -hmm. and being able to, you know, fight well with a lightsaber. Right. But what Kylo Ren is able to do that Snoke wasn't able to recognize is he was able to hide his intention from Snoke. It's true he was able to keep Snoke out of his mind by allowing him in deep into his like very weak self. And that's why Snoke thinks of him as weak. Mm. So he, he allows Snoke to be, you know, deep into that weakness and all the while he's able to hide behind that weakness and hide his true intentions. Mm. And like that is a, a depth 
uh, using the force that hasn't really been shown that much before. You're saying he's he's snaping his ass. Yeah, exactly. He's snaping him. That is exactly <laughs> coming yeah. at you, snaping. Yeah. Um. On the subject of Snoke, how do you feel about him getting snuffed out so early in the game? I'm okay with it. Yeah. Okay. Kate is too. She's like, who cares? And I was like, ah, I really, I was kind of wrapped up in the, in the internet mystery of like, who is Snoke? You know. Uh huh. Yeah. I I think maybe what um people also are not so happy about is that this doesn't leave as much room for speculation as as has been left in the past like right because the speculation would be anything because at this point anything could happen like the next movie they could do whatever they have a launching point right here with so many characters so many plot lines going on so many different things weaving together that in the next movie you can't really it's real hard to foresee what could happen whereas in the past you know it's easy to think like what's gonna happen with you know the the wookies or whatever like yeah. those were the things you're worried about now all it is is okay the rebel alliance is kind of still together but really fucked yeah <laughs> like what's gonna happen right it's uh, I don't know I like that again I've said this before I like that cliffhanger feeling I like that uh, middle movie in the trilogy type totally. of thing totally two towers style but also uh, Laura, can we talk about Laura Dern yeah uh, okay I want, what do you think about her character I love it okay so you're on board love interesting it. like I don't like her character Man, I think that she again. This movie, this movie had a lot to do with veiling one's true intentions. It's true. I mean, and and that's what she does the whole time, because she, you know uh, Poe can't just uh, listen. He can't just sit down and listen to her, and they they can't be patient and trust her they automatically are distrustful of her but she has a plan and a plan that works but why did she have to be so deliberately and needlessly shady about it why wouldn't she tell her own crew hey i'm trying to get over here so we can put these pods on this mining planet like well they 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 only lightly set up that it was obvious poe thought he would be in charge when leia was out mm -hmm. which is, makes no sense right. like he he's but he thought he was going to be in charge. So, like, she she was keeping him out because she knew he would do something stupid. And mm -hmm. he did something stupid anyway. Like, he, he was going to do something stupid no matter what. But if he knew the plan, it could end up screwing up the plan. Okay, I see. You're saying he would have tried to take, take charge needlessly yeah. and spoil the whole thing. Yeah. And the part where she uh, goes into light speed and takes out that Star Destroyer is one of the fucking coolest things I have ever seen in a Star Wars movie. It's absolutely beautiful, and I love how it, it went totally silent and shit right there to show that. Yeah. I'll tell you what would have made it better, though, man, if you ask me. What it was. If that would have been motherfucking Akbar running that mission. I mean, he he got fucking mad eye moody. He got killed off yeah. screen, dude. I keep throwing in Harry Potter shit. What the fuck is going on? 
<laughs> that's a good that's a good point honestly there is a good bit of harry potter in this but you know it's like why why make this holdo character who i i have known for all of like an hour and i'm not invested yeah. in take this brave valiant suicide mission when it's like you've got people on the ship that we have been with for 30 years now i mean akbar of course he's not been a fucking main character or anything like this but he's, yeah he's been he's a fucking meme dude it's like He's been around. It would have been really awesome to give that guy a fucking proper heroic send-off. You know what I mean? Instead, he there's like an explosion. They're like, oh, we lost yeah. Akbar. Anyway, moving on. The only thing I can think of that would happen that, that really I, I'm sure is what crossed their minds and why they didn't go with it is that he would have been, you know, in Lord Dern's place and right before he went into light speed, he would have been like, "It's a trap." I know. <laughs> and then, and that that would have been fucking stupid. Yeah. Like it, it would have been it would be fan service. Everybody that loves the movies would go crazy in the movie theater. But then when they're oh, talking yeah. about it later, they'd be like, "That was fucking stupid." Yeah, that was fucking stupid. You know what would have made it a lot better is if instead, if the original character of of uh, Holdo was was written for uh, was written for Randy Quaid, and <laughs> he would have gone, "All right, you alien assholes, up yours." I also, <laughs> I also I also think though that moving away from moving away from um, Admiral Akbar to a human character is mm-hmm. a part of what they were going for. That's racist. Is making well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, um, but making the characters human so that we connect with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it loses some of the fun of all the creatures, but if the characters that we're focused on are human characters, we're far more likely to identify with them and get more invested. Um, and when the characters are human, you can cast for diversity mm-hmm. instead of just having, you know, a bunch of white people and then a dog man and some robots. <laughs> Fair point. Now, on the diversity note, what do you think about about Rose? I liked Rose. I don't understand why people dislike her. Man, I didn't I, like Rose either, dude. It's like I just name something about her. Like, what's a character trait? Uh, she um, obviously was super into um, Finn and then realized he was about to leave the ship and she quickly knocks him out like she is a character trait I like a boy no 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 that's exactly my point is she likes the boy but she is more dedicated to the the rebellion than she is to her interest in a boy oh okay i mean she also takes everybody is upset about the fact that she takes him out to stop him from you know uh basically doing the stupidest possible thing in that moment Mm -hmm. and and yeah the thing that she does is (laughs) run into him at high speed with another ship that could have killed them both but again that is my that is what i'm saying about her is she is dedicated to the rebellion she doesn't care if it kills them both Mm -hmm. as long as it stops him from doing that stupid thing that's going to get everyone killed I thought it was kind of racist for them to have the Asian run the kamikaze mission personally. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's that's the thing too. There's two times uh, female characters in the movie Kamikaze, <laughs> man. <laughs> two times. The women in <laughs> The Last Jedi are badasses, man. And Ray. It's true. I I can't. I I couldn't even talk too much about Ray without choking up. That character is perfect. Yeah, Ray's badass. Just an and amazing I, I'm telling character. You, man, like. I know I'm kind of bitching about a lot of the typical stuff right now that everybody else is upset about, but I do like the fact that Ray's parents, according to Kylo, who may be lying, but I would like it if her parents were nobody. Yeah, me too. I don't want to watch a movie about a royal family. That's what this has been the whole time, and it's boring. (laughs) It's Royalty is fucking stupid. Yeah. I mean, I know there are people who are obsessed with royalty, and I get it. Whatever I don't you fucking get it, and you like to uh, acknowledge that some people are better than you. I guess, <laughs> I, I, guess don't so. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not interested in royalty. And so, like, the thing about Luke that was interesting is that he was nobody. He mm-hmm. only became somebody when it was finally fully understood that he was. Darth Vader's son. Right. And that that wasn't even in Empire Strikes Back. Just because Darth Vader said, Luke, I am your father. If you uh if you go back and read you can look this up, that people in those days were, you know, writing letters into magazines, fan magazines about Star Wars, and tons of people were saying, like, oh no, he was he's not his father. He's just saying that to get into his head or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like so like even then it wasn't clear that Luke was royalty. Mm-hmm. The prequels made it this big, like, dynasty feeling of the family. Uh, and this gets away from that. This takes it back to regular folk. So, yeah, it's it's possible that she is, in fact, uh, I don't know, uh, Leia's long-lost daughter. Maybe Leia was in a coma or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, well, that's the thing is, like, through the, through the Star Wars history, like, the, the Skywalkers are the only... Jedi family. They're the only ones with lineage because yeah. the Jedi are supposed to be celibate and so on and not have kids. Yep. But it's like, so, you know, every other character you see, every time you see a Windu or whoever, it's like that's the end of that family line. But the Skywalkers are actually the only ones that have, you know, procreated. I'm sure, I'm sure a nerd is going to blast me um, mm-hmm. as soon as they hear this <laughs> and say that's wrong. Absolutely. But I'm not, I'm yep. not in touch with the extended universe and stuff. But from my understanding, the Skywalkers are the one with the lineage. I'm okay with her being totally just up from nowhere and i think that goes to so much with uh, a lot of the themes in the movie especially like the the very last scene there with the kid who yeah you know is on that prison uh kind of well it's not really prison i guess it is if you're working there but that monaco like planet yeah you know where it's like he's just some fucking kid and he is in touch with the force you know he can move that broom and so on that kind of goes along with that theme that you know anybody can can jump into this yeah, I don't know, man. It's like I said, it's like there's a lot of things that I was mad about when I saw it. Um, like the Luke thing, which is starting to make more sense to me now, you know, as I uh-huh. think about especially like you said, him really embodying a lot of traits of Yoda and Obi Wan yeah. in this. And I think that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, the Snoke thing, I have a couple of ideas about. Um, you know, one being I think at bare minimum at bare minimum, he's going to come back as, like, a very powerful Force ghost. Hmm, okay. Because they made a point of showing us, you know, that Yoda was, like, super strong and could fucking control lightning and shit, even as a ghost. Yeah. What? 
What if the next one is uh, Star Wars Force Ghostbusters? <laughs> and they have to bring in like Melissa McCarthy and an all-girl uh-huh. Jedi team to like bust the Force Ghosts. That'd be awesome. I <laughs> no, would love it. Let's. <laughs> but my other idea about Snoke is like, do you think that it's possible that the Snoke that we saw got killed was actually a Force projection too? Yeah, that is possible. Um, I I mean, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. And it, it would make sense for uh, him to be working with Kylo to trick Rey or whatever. And maybe, you know, the part where they're talking about how a strong dark side of the Force uh, necessitates a strong light side of the Force maybe by helping them in some way to continue the rebellion what they're actually doing is strengthening the light side therefore strengthening the dark side itself oh, well, yeah yeah very well uh, could be, man. but that seems that seems more like tortured and convoluted and i think ryan johnson would go with it but I know. Uh, then again he did write looper so yeah now looper i like now fucking oh i like looper too uh, yeah. damn it what's that it, it is it is it is it is very um Convoluted. Very convoluted. <laughs> yeah. Now, what's that other movie he did before that with Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Brick. I fucking hate that movie so bad. Yeah, it's 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 hard to care about for Dude, me. Okay, I, so you don't like it either. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. God, everybody else I know is just like fucking up that movie's ass. It's like, oh, man. My wife so, hated it. Oh, dude, Kate and I both fucking hate it. It's like, that's one of those yeah. flicks that just tries so fucking hard to be cool and you're like yeah. nobody fucking talks like that dude no oh thank god they don't yeah thank god dude but it, i mean i i get that he was going for that like um film noir you know, uh film noir pulp uh, detective type of thing i get that but it just doesn't work for me yeah hipster trash man i think that we'll see a lot of things <laughs> in the next one that will make us go back and appreciate a lot of the stuff that we saw in last Jedi. Like I yeah. said, uh, you know, initially like I was like confused about it. And then uh-huh. the next couple of days I was like, yeah, I think fuck this movie. And then, <laughs> you know, again, the more that I'm thinking about some of the, some of the problems that I had with the more I'm kind of coming around to it. Um, I want to see it again. And I think that as we see it in this trilogy, it might make a whole lot more sense for setting things up, you know, but you know, it's yeah. like that guy had, it's a, it's an impossible task. It is an impossible task to make a Star Wars movie that everybody will love because, yeah. you know, obviously J.J. made Force Awakens and it was, it was almost too exactly what everybody wanted and yeah, people got pissed about it. Then Ryan Johnson's like, okay, you don't like what you expected. All right, I'll give you something you don't expect. Everybody's fucking mm-hmm. pissed about it. It's like there is no balance. Because even well, yeah, you there, know, a lot of people hate. There's Rogue no One. balance in the force. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people hate Rogue One. Uh, a lot of people love Rogue One. I, love I uh, yeah, I'm fine with it. It's it's. Um, I I really like the way that it introduced a new type of storytelling into the the universe and stuff. And mm-hmm. I I loved so much about the way that they. <laughs> didn't deal with the force yeah <laughs> like, totally yeah it's, it's, a, like, it's a soldier story it's not a fucking yeah uh, yeah jedi knight story i kind of feel like after um the force awakens and then with rogue one rogue one they started showing a, a truly human side mm-hmm. to the star wars universe where the, these are just the grunts these are the people getting um 
the the you know uh missions you don't come back from yep totally <laughs> they're not luke they're not leia they're the ones that are being sent to die yeah um so it, it did add a more like populist perspective to it and i think that this that the last jedi just sort of built off that too that's which true hopefully yeah i think um people a lot of people say that uh, empire strikes back is the best of the original trilogy but again if you go back and, and look at what people were saying at the time a lot of people didn't like the ambiguity of empire strikes back it was Very only true. it was only after return of the jedi came out and people saw the completion of the story that they really began to appreciate empire strikes back yeah totally so well you know too it's like again it's that two towers thing you know where it's like it sets it yeah. up for the grand finale and stuff like that so yeah maybe maybe we'll learn more about it as we get on into the next movie and stuff but yeah i, I definitely want to see it again with some of these new things that that i have in mind that you've talked about and stuff too because those are some yeah some cool points and stuff so i'm gonna give it another another shot now in addition to that great space odyssey we're gonna be talking about another <laughs> great space odyssey or at least pretty good space odyssey today on the yeah. show we're gonna be talking about Event Horizon from 1997, so a 20-year-old movie, well, a 21-year-old movie uh, by the time wow. that <laughs> this airs, which is, it, this movie can fucking buy, buy liquor. What? <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine? <laughs> but you know, see, before I get into reviewing that movie with you, I want to take a minute here as this is our first episode of 2018 and talk with our dead and lovely listeners about... Perhaps, let's say, our favorite six horror movies that we saw in the year 20 and 17. You want to do that? Yeah, man. I would love to do that. All right. Now, of course, we didn't see we didn't see every fucking movie. There's actually a lot of stuff that came out here at the end of the year that I heard yeah. was really good. I, I didn't see Mother, which I've heard is fucked up. No, I haven't seen Mother. Yeah, I haven't seen Gerald's Game, which is, uh, a lot of people enjoyed. Okay. I didn't see um, that. What's it? The Shape? Shape of Water, what's it called? I haven't seen The Shape of Water yet either. It's in theaters right now. I've heard uh, it's badass. Yeah, I've heard really good things. So we've not seen everything, but of the movies that we saw, Steve, what's the first one that comes to mind for you that you enjoyed? Uh, The Girl with All the Gifts. Yeah! Now this is one of those that, uh, I mean, our... Um, uh, British listeners will probably disagree that this is a 2017 movie because it actually red coats, fucking lobsters. Uh, those lobsters, um, <laughs> dead lobster. Um, they they actually released uh, the girl with all the gifts in England in 2016, but it didn't come out in the U.S. until 2017. So I'm counting it. I totally count it because I'm an American. I yep. am a real American. <laughs> I like it, man. It's based on the book by M.R. Carey, which is not Mariah Carey. I was disappointed to find out. That would have been interesting to find out. <laughs> I would have been like, how come there's not more falsetto vocals in this book? Yeah, I am very confused by this. Yeah. Um, it's cool. Have you ever read the book? I have not read the book, but I really enjoyed the oh, movie. I dude, you should read the book. It's so good. <laughs> I I absolutely would. I just uh, I I haven't sat down and uh, decided to uh, read a book in a while. Shoo. Yeah, I mean either. I don't I know why. Lie. Yeah, I, I audio book from time to time, but my sitting down yeah. reading times not with me today. 
man, I read all the time, but uh, I I just gosh books. I think I I think I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like books or art. I don't like art. Um, <laughs> no, I love books. I'll I'll have to check it out. I I need to read something. The last thing that I um, did check out was the. Uh, liberal redneck manifesto. Oh yeah, by boy Trey. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. I mean, it, the audiobook is the best way to get it. So nice. audible.com. If only we, if only we had um, sponsorship with them. Hint, hint, hint. Girl with all the gifts is awesome. I also didn't read it in a book form. I read it audiobook on Audible actually. So very good plug. Yeah, we. So, hey, Audible, what's up, guys? Yeah, come on, we're calling your name out here. Movie was really cool, man. It was kind of a yeah, it's a post-apocalyptic kind of zombie movie. I feel like mm-hmm. it sort of takes the the kind of it's, Day of the Dead bub concept of like maybe you can yeah. educate zombies, and it does it in a cool way where uh, basically you have a generation of you know of young zombies basically that seem to be able to be trained and educated and so on and they're trying to make sense of this and find the cure in them what meanwhile this zombie plague is just like wiped out the earth it's not really zombies it's you know it's it's a fungus it's a virus kind of thing yeah it's a fungus i really enjoyed that because yeah. it um you know that that's been a premise in a number of video games mm-hmm. oh, yep. like a you know halo for instance but like I, I really enjoy that idea because we do know of the cordyceps fungus that does, um, you know, take over the brain of ants and mm-hmm. causes them to, you know, do stuff. It's, it's insane yeah, yeah. that a fungus exists that's able to do that. It's a cool flick, man. It had a, a good balance of character development and world building stuff. Some some good gore scenes and everything in there, too. Kind of flew under the radar. Yeah. Jim Arterton as well. Anything she's in worth a watch. Ah, yes, yes, indeed, man. So mm-hmm. I'm with you. That was a that was a good watch, man. It's a good watch. Uh, w- uh, what about you? What would be your first one, man? All right, I'm gonna go with the first one that I actually saw this year. I think the first movie I saw in 2017 was M Night Shyamalama Ding Dong's Split. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Which I had zero expectations for. The previews didn't really interest me. Uh, Shyamalan, you know. Not a not a spotless track record. Hit or miss. Uh huh. Yeah. Hey, though his last movie before Split was good. Have you seen The Visit? No, I heard it was good though. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, it has some some flaws, but um, not a lot. I mean, it's it's very enjoyable. I like Split, man. McAvoy fucking smashed it. McAvoy's was, great. He was God. awesome, and um, he really went for it. Yeah, he did. There was some really. Very scary stuff there towards the end. There were mm-hmm. some scenes like, you know, towards the end where he's like climbing on the walls and shit and chasing her through those yeah. tunnels that I... And that's our yeah. homegirl from The Witch, too, which is Yeah, cool. Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, she's awesome. It made me really uncomfortable towards the end of that flick. And then, of course, the, you know, the very, very last scene, the reveal of what it's yeah. fitting into. It was just like, oh, God yeah. damn, sweet. It was good. A Shyamalanaverse. Yeah, dude. So <laughs> I, I, really, I really did enjoy Split, man. That was a... A fun watch. I'll definitely see it again. You know, Ben, I saw a little movie called The Void this year. I, as did I. It's a little Canadian film. Um, and I enjoy it a whole bunch. It is in the vein of a Hellraiser. It is. It's a Lovecraftian uh, horror 
really interesting, strange progression that just starts out creepy and then goes in a direction you did not expect it to go. Yeah, totally so, man. I, I enjoyed that flick, too. We watched that about the middle of this year, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I think the movie is, like, it's pretty good. Like, it's one of those that, you know, there's some there's some problems in the story and stuff like that, but I like what that movie stands for and how it got made more than I like the movie itself. It was, like, yeah, entirely Yeah, it kind of peters off at the end. It does. But some cool yeah. visuals and stuff. Oh, yeah, really great stuff at the end, but it, it the it's hard to follow what the story is yeah. there near the end. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's like it was crowdfunded. It was paid for by horror fans. It was made yeah. by horror fans. Um, tons and tons and tons of excellent practical effects, costumes, rubber uh-huh. monsters. I mean, all the stuff that we like. And uh, a bunch of actors that I, I don't think I've seen in anything else, really, no. that really do a good job. Yeah, yeah, definitely so, man. I, I hope that we get more movies like that. I hope that studio continues to do to do more stuff yeah. because i think they have their finger on the pulse of what horror movie fans want more than most studios do you know because it's like yeah. these fucking studios they just keep putting out more garbage cgi filled remakes and bullshit like this and i feel like those guys that made that movie they're like you know what people want something grim and grisly that yes. has practical effects and, you know, genuinely eerie shit in it. So I feel like uh-huh. they know what they're doing. I'll look forward to seeing what they do next. Yeah, I, I uh, really enjoyed it myself. And I I think I, I'm not I'm not positive how any of this is going to go, but I, I think with the repeal of net neutrality and what it could mean for the internet yeah. and, and what what we're seeing a lot with Paul, I'm not going to talk about politics, but what we're seeing a lot with the way that politics are going and, and dividing people and, and stuff, what we need are more community and crowdfunded movies. We need more people who enjoy certain things to get together and, and make them happen. Yeah. And say, I'll pay for it with my own dollar if I have to see it. Cause I want it. Yeah. Because we need to stop just lapping up what we're being fed. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going off on some Trumpian. I don't trust the media rant. But what I'm saying is that the media has become too homogenized. And mm-hmm. even though we think we're getting something different from everyone else, like it doesn't matter what, uh, you know, liberal, conservative, uh, flat Earth, or whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> where what you're interested in the way information is being presented is the same mm-hmm. across all of that and that information is being presented in a way that makes me less convinced of anyone who's you know trying to convince me it makes me less convinced now when i see that the way i'm being manipulated mm-hmm. Even when the message of the thing is something that I'm interested in, that I want to learn more about, I, I keep feeling this sort of manipulation in the way that uh, it's being handled. Like the way that people talk about certain issues. I, I can't come up with one off the top of my head. It really doesn't matter. It could be any issue. It could be something as uh, 
ridiculous as the last jedi like it, you look at one website and the way they present different reactions to the last jedi like it makes it seem like everybody hates the last jedi for these particular reasons and then you talk to people about the last jedi and it's like well that's not my experience why is it that whenever i read about the last jedi online i'm hearing oh all these terrible things and everybody's so angry about it and then i talk to people about it and nobody's angry about it yeah nobody's that upset yeah but like it's always overblown it's always it's always uh too important yeah everything is too important these days sure like we can't just fucking relax it's not it's not any different than it's ever been really we we just for some reason have been manipulated into being anxious about everything and mm-hmm. everything matters so much that's uh, a strong point yeah i i just i think we need to get back to some community like what i'm really thinking of is the indie movies of the 90s i'm thinking of clerks and dazed and confused and stuff like that yeah slackers that like yeah that like captured the disaffected feeling of people who are tired of just being mired in bullshit totally yeah and and that's the thing is like movies like the void i think are in a lot of ways an expression of that it is kind of yeah, an expression exactly. of i'm kind of tired of what's going on here i guess i have to pick up the ball and and do it myself even if i've got to ask you know other people like me for money to make it happen i think it's a wonderful thing to see and i mean like i said i enjoy the movie but it's like i enjoy everything else about it and what it means to horror and just to movies and to art in general than anything you know yeah uh, I'm sure we'll have to hack away at my screed there, but <laughs> I, I think I came to one good point there, and it, that is that everything's too damn serious now. Yeah. And I and I'm not uh, in the least bit saying that uh, you know comedy has been killed by uh, political correctness or anything. I don't think political correctness affects comedy in the least bit. I think what affects comedy is when people can't take things flippantly like we we can't just be flippant about things anymore we have to be so serious and so invested yeah yeah and it's just ridiculous at a certain point it's like i do i care about this right do i i I don't know (laughs) it's just a movie i mean whatever come on relax so uh what's your next one ben all right so my next one that i've got on my list is probably the Easily the biggest grossing, most successful horror flick that came out this year, man. I really enjoyed the, I don't want to call it a remake because it's not a remake, the re-adaptation of Stephen King's It Part 1. I really, really, really dug it, man. Uh, yeah, I can't you get no wait. argument for me. Yeah, I can't wait till it comes out on Blu-ray, man. I'm kind of yeah, like, I'm excited for I was it. really hoping it would be out already, man. I seriously just want to like revisit that that uh-huh. world again and it's not perfect by any means there's some there's some cgi bullshit in there too and there's some yeah you know just uh, tons of jump scares like so many jump scares that they're not even scary anymore you know yeah but man just the 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 character development you know the kids and stuff in that movie make it so fucking goddamn good it also makes me kind of scared for how they're going to make something that is that charming and that um, interesting and just warm and, and cool feeling to watch with grown-ups. Yeah. 
I, I really I I really hope that they are able to do I don't I don't know like I, I can't see them failing at it like as long as they just keep the same spirit to it yeah I, I can't see how you fail at that sequel but you know <laughs> who knows I mean, in the original It series, the the kid parts are way better than the grown-up parts. Oh, yeah. The adult part was terrible. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of got a little taste of it there. So they've got their work cut out for them, man. But I was really satisfied with that flick. I thought that it was super, super enjoyable. Best best horror movie I've seen in theaters. You know, big budget horror movie oh, I've yeah. seen in theaters in a really fucking long time. Yeah, I saw it twice in the theater. Um, saw it once with my, my 12-year-old niece yeah. who... Um, had never really seen a horror movie um and she loved it and had a great time and it was actually really fun to sit with someone who's never seen a horror movie but was really interested in seeing it and seeing it like i don't know there was like that development of the interest in horror yeah yeah or it was like oh so it's like funny too <laughs> like i i think that's what got me into horror when i was little was that like oh so it's like funny too there's like it's it's funny but it's also like gross and like scary like yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was that was a cool thing to see so uh, man it it was great right on man what's next on your list steve um i just watched this movie the other day i think maybe five days ago and it left me feeling empty inside and profoundly sad um and it's great it's called it comes at night oh damn yeah yeah it's um uh, joel edgerton and uh carrie washington i think and it's man it's it's a post-apocalyptic sort of i don't know like zombie virus thing but like that it doesn't really focus on any of that it's okay. a very small movie like when you think about a a, a a viral outbreak sort of movie it's usually a big sprawling movie but this is a real small movie mostly takes place in a cabin so it's like cabin fever yeah, it's exactly like Cabin Fever. <laughs> I can see why you loved it. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, uh, well, I say enjoyed it. I think it was good. I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is fun. It's, yeah, it is not enjoyable. Right. It is, but man, it it will horrify you. That's exactly what it does. Like wow. It, the ending will horrify you. I haven't seen it, man. That's one of those ones that I keep seeing people either really liking it or really fucking hate it, hating that movie do you see that it's kind of like a love it or hate it it's kind a of slow movie? burn it's a real slow burn I like a slow movie yep me too and um it's uh, gosh yeah I, I, I can't say anything more about it yeah I understand why some people would dislike it it's a slow burn um it doesn't give you what you would expect out of a zombie or a viral outbreak movie but man God, it's horrifying. Cool. Yeah, it's great. I'll have to watch it, man. So, Ben, what is our final movie on our top six 2017 horror movies? It's going to be a get out. (laughs) All right. I mean, you get out, pal. (laughs) Man, I really dug that movie. I thought that that it was really 
a cool watch and such a cool you know uh first first entry for a new director mm. in the in the world of horror films yeah awesome racial social commentary i mean especially in the past in the past you know two years or so when we've seen black people getting treated real real bad real real often well when we say that we've seen it but black people are like yeah but we've seen it for <laughs> we, <laughs> like we've lived it decades centuries what do yeah. you mean it's happening now yeah um but yeah it, uh, get out it get out is it, one of these horror films where it can help you to understand other people like yeah it can, it can help you to understand the black experience of being a commodity mm-hmm. of being oh, yeah, totally uh, so. a, a novelty like that's yeah. the horror in it the horror in it is that that people look at you as uh, a thing to right. deal with and, or to to possess but not yeah. as a person yeah it really does kind of help you see the way that i think a lot of white cu- white culture just fetishizes yep. black people for their for their use you know what i mean yeah which is yeah, fucking and it, crazy and fucked up uh, and it's, and, yeah and extremely demoralizing and demeaning and disgusting in every way possible and it, you know i'll tell you like this movie in a lot of ways um is not original like it's basically kind of like the Stafford wives yeah yeah it's yeah it that's exactly uh, that's a real good point about uh i think groundbreaking anything is that it's rare that something is super original yeah it's still rooted in something it's, yeah it's the take it's the take on it Exactly. So yeah, it's got that Stepford Wives thing going on. It's it's um But what is original is making making a point to show that racism is horrific. Like making yeah. r- racism a topic of horror. Um, yeah. that's a really unique thing that we've not really seen dealt with uh, at least this explicitly. Can you imagine if uh like <laughs> cancer was debatable like if if people were like you know maybe cancer's not so bad yeah like like slavery and the equal treatment of people of other races is debatable it's true yeah it is yeah oh well according to some fucking people yeah uh yeah that's exactly my point like why like i i've come to a point now where like i I, I can't debate it. Like, if, if people start taking the other side, the only thing that happens in my head is, if I do debate this, I'm giving it some legitimacy like it is a debate. Right. Like, it's not even a debate. You're talking about human beings and, and saying, like, well, you know, we need to secure a future for our white children etc like what the fuck are you talking about it is it is melanin it's skin tone it's nothing you fucking idiot i know but but it's it's horrific and we've never like it's never really been treated that way yeah yeah i thought that movie handled it really really well and it also had some good balance of humor and stuff in there too and i think some really memorable uh, visual, visual stuff in there as well. Like when he goes, what do you call it, to the underneath or whatever. Yeah, uh, and the it's not heavy-handed. There's no heavy-handed racial message. Mm-hmm. Like 
the the message comes through and just the presentation of of racism in the context of horror like you don't have to have at the end like uh you know his tsa buddy being like uh and this is why we have to be careful with white people like <laughs> <laughs> Though he does, he does kind of say that. Kinda, like, yeah. Told you white people are crazy or yeah. whatever. Uh, but like, but that's like a comedy line. It's like a joke line. It's fun. And also, like, it, that is the moment in the movie where uh, spoilers for Get Out, but where the the most tense moment in the movie is when that police car pulls up and there's yeah, a white like, girl oh, no. yeah. like knocked out like the the most tense moment f- in that movie is that exact moment because it's like fuck he's about to get shot by yeah. the police because that's what you're used to fucking seeing happen yes. in real life exactly and so it subverts that um yeah. it's almost comical when what you expect to happen doesn't happen yes exactly and, and it it it's it is horrific because you feel it yeah like you that feel it when you, you see it you're like fuck oh shit he's gonna get shot yep um and then it doesn't happen um and it's great but like i i i just like even the second time watching it i was like how how why oh like how do you see this and not go like fuck that is not a good feeling to have <laughs> maybe we should deal with the police they make black people feel like this yeah <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> i really enjoyed it it's a cool flick and I'm, I'm very open to seeing a lot more stuff by that director and, and that crew, man. And I'm happy to see how much success that movie had, too. It kind of blew up yeah. in a big way, which I think is cool. It really did. Now, let me ask you, do you have any dishonorable mentions for anything that you just thought was a gigantic dumpster fire in 2017? <laughs> um, a gigantic dumpster fire? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think anything that I've watched has been horrendous. There are some movies that I was disappointed with, like Babysitter that other people enjoyed and mm-hmm. I and I wish I did. I wish I liked it yeah, more. I liked but it okay. I, I was disappointed with it. But I really I this year we've watched so many horror movies that um I I don't even think I can think of a single year where at least five good horror movies came out like every single year we get at least five good horror movies yeah. and that's a fucking awesome haul it's a good thing like it's a great thing you don't always get five good action movies in a year yeah you don't get necessarily point. five great comedies but you every year could pick out five really good horror movies and that's a great fucking thing to have going on that's a true story, man. I myself would have to mention Alien Covenant as being a gigantic oh, piece of right. shit. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, if that counts as horror, I mean, it's, you know, sci-fi horror kind of stuff, but Covenant yeah, I was think, just I think Alien's garbage. horror. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. Was it great? Oh, you haven't seen it? No, I, listen, I, I didn't want to watch it because I remember, uh, you know, you were telling me about it. I think we were talking about it sometime and I was just like, man, that sounds like dog shit. It's so uh, fucking bad. It's so <laughs> Prometheus really kind of hurt me on the whole franchise. And so, God, it's hard to, I'll, I'll put it to you this <sighs> way. If you, if you weren't head over heels about Prometheus, you will really not like this. Like 
I thought Prometheus was pretty shitty. I thought this yeah. was just like a gigantic pile of shit. There's a few themes in the movie that I thought were kind of cool, but just overall, man, the whole like neomorph thing with this like new little alien thing they have in here is just stupid. And there's so much CGI. And the biggest thing is, uh. man, is they just you know you know how like with the original Alien, the fun was is that. Whenever it showed the alien, you never knew what the fuck you were seeing. You never knew where yeah. you never knew where the fucking thing was. Yeah. It was just this claustrophobic, like, I have no idea what's about to happen feeling. In this movie, they show I think I think the alien probably has like fucking thirty minutes of screen time. Like it's uh-huh. fucking it's, that it's sounds stupid. great. It, yeah. no, it does not make it better. They, do they have like an interview with the alien? Yeah. Do they talk about like, oh, maybe they go in depth as to why the alien turned so bad? Exactly. It goes back to his childhood as a young face yeah. hugger, and man, it was, <laughs> it was shot. It was terrible, man. So, um, I've heard I've heard a rumor today that that you know since Disney I guess owns all those franchises now too, um, yeah. They're apparently there's a rumor that they're gonna gonna veto on the Alien Covenant sequel, which. I'd be okay. very okay with. I just hope that they fucking Star Wars this and let somebody else have a swing at it because obviously Ridley Scott doesn't know what he is doing anymore. He's so far away from it that he he doesn't know what makes Alien cool. Yeah, I, I mean Alien lost its way after the first one. I mean Aliens is great, but it's not. It's very different. It's it's a very different movie. And then Alien Cubed. Um, is a movie that nobody wants to claim. <laughs> like, yeah, everyone involved wants to just wash their hands of it. Like, the director's cut's pretty cool. Have you ever seen it? I've heard that. I haven't seen it. It is like it's so much better than the theatrical one. Um, I would say I would even say it's it's kind of worth watching. But I didn't. It, did, who directed that? That's fucking David Fincher, dude. David Fincher. That's right. Uh huh. Yeah, I. I mean, but, you know, the thing about Alien, the entire series has always been, like, all over the place. Um, and and actually recently has gotten too homogenized for me. Yep. Like, the way Ridley Scott is treating it is just like, oh, this is so boring. You're just, you're telling me, like, all the things you wrote down about these alien creatures when you were first coming up with the idea of alien. Oh, I don't care. I'm, I'm not you. interested. If that's where you're at, having not seen Covenant, then you should not see Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> I shan't. I shan't. Well, let's talk about another space movie, Steve. The, the topic of our podcast today, which is Event Horizon from, from 1990, oh, yeah. 1997, um, which... I'll assume this is not the first time that you've seen this, was it? No, no. I, I saw this in 97. Um, I also have seen it several times since. Okay. This is like, man, I saw this for the first time. Kate and I were trying to figure it out because we like just watched it before we started recording this show here. I asked uh-huh. her, I was like, when's the last time you watched this? And she's like, I think before I knew you. So, Wow. Had, yeah. So I don't think I had seen this movie for probably like 15 years or something like that. Like Jeez. I know, like I watched it. I think I think maybe with Brandon Suttles. Um who of course introduces to a ton of movies and stuff, but I want to say I watched it with him and at the time I really really liked it a lot. So I was really yeah. excited to go back and revisit it um after, you know, having 
seen a million horror movies since then. I was hoping that it would be as as amazing as I remembered. It's definitely a little less amazing than I remembered. A um, little less. Yeah, it's got some cool stuff in it, um, but it does. I, I'm yeah. less enchanted by it now. I think whenever I saw it, I hadn't even seen Hellraiser, for example. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, deeply connected to a lot of movies. Um, Hellraiser, Alien. Um, the Shining, 2001: A Space Odyssey, The Shining, yeah, uh, dude, all sorts of stuff. I was, we were watching it, and uh, again, Kate and I didn't remember anything about this movie. And like early in the movie, you know, whenever whenever you start seeing that Sam Neill is getting kind of obsessed with the ship that he's created and stuff, uh huh. I, I turned to Kate and I'm like, it's kind of like The Shining, but in space. And she's like, I don't know <laughs> about that. And then later on, there's like literally like a waterfall of blood, and it's like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is like The Shining in space. <laughs> yeah. It also, man, I always seem to say this, but it also seems connected to In the Mouth of Madness to me. Yeah. Uh, Sam Neill is in it, obviously. The uh, general idea is that from the beginning, Sam Neill is driven to the ship to be possessed by that spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, which is exactly the idea behind In the Mouth of Madness. And In the Mouth of Madness has the line, he won't let me leave. And Sam Neill says the line, it won't let me leave. Uh, which is like... <laughs> maybe, maybe... <laughs> what if actually what's going on is that Sam Neill is like trapped in Hollywood and he's trying to give us all a distress signal for help. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood won't let me leave. I, they keep trapping me in different dimensions. Uh, <laughs> he's trapped in the celluloid dimension. <laughs> I, I, again, there's that exact... Uh, exact point that in in the mouth of madness there uh creatures coming from another dimension to turn earth into hell basically and this exact sort of idea here they go into this different dimension and it unleashes hell i feel like there's also you know uh, in addition to the obvious like you said hellraiser and and shining kind of influences here i feel like there's also an influence from fucking doom you know the video game doom yes yeah well okay well good i'm glad you brought up video games because our director is paul ws anderson not paul thomas anderson who (laughs) directs uh amazing movies i like to think that they're like that they're like twins or clones or something like this and yeah probably pta is like the artsy snobby one and this Paul is one that likes to have fun and party and stuff. Yeah, well, I would say that actually, I would say about Paul W. S. Anderson, um, I'm gonna go ahead and trash his work here in a little bit, but um, <laughs> he's, he's made some garbage. But the guy, um, just from reading more and more about Event Horizon, and we'll talk more about this, but reading more about Event Horizon and what he wanted it to be, I think the guy has a good mind for horror and sci-fi. But the movie he directed before this was Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! He has directed most of the Resident Evil movies. He, he knows a thing or two about a video game. Yes, he does. <laughs> or, or maybe not, judging by the quality of those movies. Well, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, he also directed Alien vs. Predator, oh, speaking God. of Alien. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. He also directed the Death Race remake, or, uh, remake, which is not bad. I never saw it. Jason that. Statham's pretty all right. Um, but he's also responsible for the 
most inexplicable Three Musketeers movie. Like, it came <laughs> out in 2011, but it was oh, like... Oh, that one. It was like, why? It, it, like, I remember seeing the preview and being like, that looks like dog shit, but also just thinking, wait, why are why? you doing a Three Musketeers movie in night? Like... In 1998, they did The Man in the Iron Mask, which is, you know, Three Musketeers adjacent. Well, the other the other day, it's funny you mentioned that, because the other day, Kate was watching The Three Musketeers with, like, Oliver Platt and fucking... Yeah, which was, uh, that was 80-something, right? Yeah, late 80s, early 90s, and it's a fun yeah. movie. Yeah, and then 2011, for no reason, you come out with... Three Musketeers with Mila Hovovich as the star. <laughs> she was the star. Oh, man. This, what? <laughs> which of the Musketeers was she? I mean, I'm fine with gender swapping, but I don't understand. Like, it didn't seem from the previews that she was one of the Musketeers. She was just a new character he added to the story. I, I didn't get it. Um. <laughs> anyway, he's also responsible for Pompeii. Which was a Pompeii of a movie. <laughs> I heard that was just fucking awful. Yeah. So he he's made some real dog shit. But here's the thing that I've come to. Just really trying to come to peace with this movie. Because I, I really liked Event Horizon for a long time. And then watching it again this time, I was like, I see a lot of the problems with this. But I also don't see some of the problems with this one of the main problems people had with this movie critics at the time was that it was derivative it's derivative of all those movies we mentioned already yeah um here's the thing who cares like we're not talking about it's not it's not like uh, uh you know a year after jumanji somebody else makes a board game movie like it's that's like volcano that's, and dante's inferno yeah, those things are on the nose. <laughs> Wait, Dante's this... Peak, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dante's Peak, yeah. Uh, yeah, that Dante's Inferno was a real ripoff of Volcano. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, but it, it it doesn't rip those things off. It It's not good homage. Like, sometimes it is too, too exactly like it. Like, for instance, the vivisection of uh, DJ is almost exactly from Hellraiser. Yeah, and there's also a line in there in one of Sam Deal's visions where like his wife says, "We have such wonderful things to show yeah. you." It's like god, that's like yeah. one or two that is Hellraiser, words yeah. away from being a line from Hellraiser. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it is so overt. I can get why at the time when it came out critics were like, "Oh, this is too derivative." But now, watching it, all it feels like is it's in the same vein as those movies. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, it's just another one of those movies that I love, yeah. which is great. Like, yeah. It's awesome. It's not the best. It's not even as good as, uh, you know, Hellraiser or Hellraiser 2. No. Uh -huh. Or uh, it, it's nowhere near as good as 2001 or The Shining or any of that. No, but definitely not. I think it deftly handles the things I like about those movies and has a pretty good hour and 40 minute movie. Now, here's what I've been reading recently is that Paul W.S. Anderson actually shot a two hour movie. Oh, wow. And he 
had a ton of other like extra footage uh that two-hour movie had more character development in it it had um it had scenes such as like we learned that cooper uh who is the guy who gets caught out in space Mm -hmm. and uses his uh cooper has his fear we never see his hallucination and fear his his hallucination and fear is losing a close friend and he's close with joseph and then that happens um we learn that dj uh you know when he he's about to get vivisected we see he has a scar well in in paul ws anderson's first version of it we learn that dj um had to have uh surgeries as a kid due to illness and he has a fear of being like uh you know uh, vivisected alive of being like cut open while conscious. So what you're saying is this movie also intended to be derivative of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. <laughs> Where yeah, everybody's nightmare well, is. It's also, you know. <laughs> it's also it. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it is obviously taking something from Nightmare on Elm Street, but like it's also it. it it's like it's in that same vein but again those are cool things to smash together these hallucinations and this like um uh, hell and and fear and also sci-fi fun stuff i mean like it's a cool smash up like i i wish that it had done better so that we could have seen more movies in the same vein so did it just get hacked down on the cutting room floor yeah they just hacked it up board thing or what well, Paramount didn't know what they were getting into. Paramount owned the rights to start uh, Trek at the time, mm-hmm. and I, I think they still do. But um, Star Trek um, was their space voyaging thing, and they weren't getting a new Star Trek movie, and so they thought, you know, we'll go for this other space movie, and they kind of just let Paul W.S. Anderson, like, do his thing because he had, he had already had success with mortal Kombat, and they were like you know we'll just see how it turns out and then they brought it to him and it was it's gory as fuck like what you see here like a large portion of what's cut out is gore oh wow um, um there's a much longer scene of weir's wife's suicide like that is more bloody and disgusting yeah there's a gorier video like a much longer and gorier video of the original crew like um it included a woman getting screws uh like screwed into her teeth god damn Um, what (laughs) yeah a man getting his legs smashed up by pipes and rods so bad that as he's crawling away just pieces of his legs are falling off good lord Uh, and a woman getting her breasts ripped off what the fuck holy shit whoa that that that's coming in pretty hot (laughs) and there yeah and, and there is definitely I am positive of this I'm gonna I'm gonna take a screenshot and definitely include it on our Instagram because it only shows that that video for a very short time but yeah. he shot a lot of stuff for it yeah um one of the things that you do see I am almost positive is a man getting pegged by a woman really yeah I'm pretty positive that you see a dude bent over in front of a woman and he's just got a grimace on his face um anyway yeah that there was so much more gore and violence and like it really like his version from the telling 
from what he has said and from what people have said they shot, uh, his version would have been much more of a, a gore fest, more of a splatter horror movie, and it would have been more demented. Like it would have been Hellraiser to a new level. Yeah, that that would have been great. Unfortunately, all of that footage was destroyed. <laughs> like on purpose? Yeah. Well, uh, not exactly. They they stored. You know, like the thing is that this came out in '97. This was before DVDs. It was before, um, you know, extra footage was a thing, and the movie didn't make much money, and so paying to store it somewhere to keep the the footage and stuff in in great shape obviously wasn't a top priority yeah. so it ended up getting degraded to the point that it's unusable and Aww. we'll never see uh, a two-hour version of event horizon that now, sucks it, it does I, I don't there's no way that movie could have been worse for sure yeah that would have been a better version of the movie the movie is pretty good already so i can see that being a pretty great movie yeah really <laughs> like, uh, but again like it's, it's hard to know that that's gonna happen that suddenly dvd is gonna be a thing and you have all this extra storage space and it's like well we could just throw this shit on there <laughs> yeah really damn that sucks man i, w- I would definitely like to have, have seen that because there is some cool gore and stuff Oh yeah. In the movie as there is, like you said, that suspended like vivisection, which you just see barely a glimpse of, but man, it's it's pretty badass. And I really like when um uh what is her name? Peters, she like falls from way high up when she's chasing after Oh yeah. She's chasing and, after oh, Georgie. <laughs> yeah, she's that's exactly it. She's chasing after Georgie. She falls and, and just like splatters in all that, that bloody water and stuff in front yeah, of Yeah, and she like hit she like hits stuff on the way down. Yeah, it's a real good it looks great too, because yeah. there's a lot of real bad CG in this. There's there is some, man. I, I think it, it looked better than I expected a nineteen ninety seven movie to look. Yeah. But the the worst yeah. things the worst things in this movie CGI wise and it's so funny because it's not even major stuff. It was just like the little shit that was floating around, like the yeah, the blobs. It looks terrible. Of, what was yeah. it like blobs of fuel or something that were floating around? Yeah, some sort of lubricant or something. It yeah, looked like I Alex Mack exploded in there. Exactly. It looked like <laughs> Alex, and that's exactly the level of the CG. Yeah, too, <laughs> it really, was really Alex is. Mack. Yeah, the physics whenever they'd poke at one of those blobs was just completely illogical. And then even them having like. The stuff that was just floating around, like water bottles and shit like that, like it just looked, it looked like a 3DO game or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of it still does look good. Yeah. But the thing is that a lot of it is actual sets. Yeah, I was going to say. The, the, and the set design is great. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. The set design is fucking killer. And that's the thing is like, there's a few times in there where I was like, okay, now that actually does look pretty good. Oh, it's a set. Or, oh, it's a miniature. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you realize, mm-hmm. yeah, it looks good because it's not CG, especially the de- the design of of the core with that orb and the spinning magnet oh, yeah. rings around. I think that's super, super iconic. And just that whole chamber that that thing is in, I think is sick. The design of the ships is cool. I like how it's kind of a cruciform-type ship and even the interior mm-hmm. design of it. I mean, again, obviously it's... It's not mega original. It's very Giger influenced. It's very Clive Barker influenced and stuff yeah, too. But, but it looks cool. Fuck it. Yeah, it does. I mean, you know, we can't all be original. And Paul W. S. Anderson, he uh, he certainly has a, a interesting eye 
for constructing different scenes. Um, I like what he does in Event Horizon. I've never really watched any of his other movies. I saw Alien vs. Predator. I didn't like it. Nobody but did. But I, I did like, there were certain elements of it that were cool. Yeah. Some of the design of the Predator and stuff, like the way that that all came together was interesting, but... He probably is just one of those guys that knows how to pick cool artists to be on board. Yeah. Yeah, which is... Uh, that's which is important. Interesting, it's an interesting genre, right? To just have, uh, I don't know, have some slick visuals with no real substance to it. You know, the Michael Bay school of yeah. directing. Michael Bay, by the way, uh, when I think of Paul W.S. Anderson, I think of a less successful Michael Bay. Oh, that's sad. Well, uh, yeah, maybe not, because he definitely has made a lot of money. His movies, Paul W.S. Anderson, despite the fact that I named all those movies that are terrible, they all make a ton of money. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, <laughs> I would love to have the the paycheck of a less successful Michael Bay. I, I could live handsomely yeah. on that. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, sign me up. <laughs> and if you look at Michael Bay's IMDb, it is shocking to see how little he has directed. He and Paul W.S. Anderson have directed about the same amount of movies. Wow. Um, and most of Paul W.S. Anderson's movies are uh, Resident Evil movies. Most of Michael Bay's movies are Transformers movies. Jeez. Like, yeah, they're, they're these actors, these directors who, they have an idea an eye for slick visuals they have an eye for really polished looking things and they have an eye for action um but they there's not a lot of substance to what they do right but this this had substance in that it was it's it's good horror yeah and i like the whole concept of like what if you opened a black hole to another dimension yeah that's all real fun, but yeah. it, I mean, the story just the char the characters aren't developed much, and the story doesn't um, uh, the story doesn't always make a lot of sense. Like it, one of the things that I had trouble with is the fact that when you see the event horizon, it is a huge ship. Yeah, like the ship they're on is at least the size I would say of a seven forty seven. And when they pull up on the Event Horizon, it dwarfs the 747 size spaceship. They dock it and get off onto this, you know, walkway between the engine room and the, you know, quarters and things. Mm -hmm. And, and there, that is easily, if you look at the size of the ship in comparison to that walkway, that walkway is easily a mile long. Yeah. But it oh, happens. Okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, it happens several times in the movie where something is happening in the engine room and they run from the quarters to the engine room in a matter of seconds. Yeah. <laughs> they would be running for at least, I don't know, six to eight minutes, I would imagine. They've got one of those floors like they have at the at the airport where it's like a moving sidewalk, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, why don't they have that? Like, you <laughs> notice that they're walking. It's like, why wouldn't you have a moving... It's... It's a mile. It's There's so nothing long to, to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, one of the things about the movie that that is always, always super precarious, man. Whenever you are making a movie that deals with the future, true, true, yeah. true, mm -hmm. is trying to make predictions about 
what life will be like and what technology will be like. I mean, we, we see it all the time in the stuff from the 1950s and 60s. It's like, in the year 2000 and, <laughs> and shit like that. So in this movie, it starts off with like maybe stuff in 1997 that was like semi-plausible where it's like 2015, we have like our first, you know, uh, little society living on the moon. And then by 2025 yeah. or something like that, we're like mining Mars. It's like, that's not too terribly far away but then whenever you get into this movie which is in 2047 and you start noticing some of the things they still have laying around i actually made a little list steve on the bottom of my notes here oh yeah about some of the some of the technology so what did they have that was out (laughs) of date let's start off with i guess in 2047 they still haven't come up with anything better than shaving with a straight razor yeah, that's a movie thing, isn't it? I've never known anyone who shaves with a straight razor. I know, I don't either, man. Like, nobody yeah. does. But apparently that's still the best fucking thing. Also, a, a straight razor that I, I believe it's the same one he, his wife killed herself with. Oh, shit, I didn't notice that. Yeah, well, even if it isn't, his his wife did kill herself with a straight razor, and he is shaving with a straight razor. I, I would feel like you'd go electric if your wife killed herself <laughs> with a straight razor. Grow a beard, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe grow a beard and not go into the bathroom for a year, because <laughs> it, it is haunting and scary. <laughs> I like how they titled the name of the ship. They named it the Lewis and Clark because by then, yeah. there still have never been any explorers as good as Lewis and Clark. No, no, who? I mean, <laughs> who who would have explored any area? I, I mean, they got to Neptune all on their own. No one had explored up yeah. to that point. <laughs> yeah, it would probably be some astronaut up to that point's name. Maybe, actually, you know what? It would probably be some asshole politician's name. Yeah. <laughs> it would be the Donald Trump. Yeah. That, that would be it. I like how in the in the future, not only do they still have cigarettes, but they've also adapted the technology of a spaceship to allow you to smoke cigarettes in it. Yeah. Is that important? That is interesting. I mean, it would be an oxygen-saturated environment. Maybe it would be... Maybe it would be like a plane where you you could smoke in a plane. It's not legal, but it's not going to blow up the plane. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, it does seem very unlikely, though that is also an alien. Yeah, that was, actually, yeah, you're right about that, yeah. too. You're right. But, you know, it's like this was made in 1997. It's like you couldn't even fucking smoke on an airplane when this was made. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And... Yeah, it it is weird. The smoking seems forced. I, I've said that before, though. A lot of times, smoking seems forced in movies. Oh, like, yeah. It's like they were just got a kickback from Philip Morris to include smoking for yeah. no reason. <laughs> I liked yeah. how during that scene where I think it's Peters is like phoning home to her kid who's having a birthday. Apparently, uh-huh. birthday clowns are still in vogue in 2047. <laughs> Thank God. I'm glad to hear that over the next 30 years, clowns won't die off. Not going away, son. <laughs> um, they were talking about relativity, how you cannot break relativity, which of course we've not too long ago figured out. Actually, you probably can. Yeah, it's possible maybe with information to with uh, two entangled... Um, like what, quantum yeah. entanglement and so on. Yeah, yeah quantum entanglement. Mm-hmm. It's possible, maybe. I, I, there will need to be more studies on it for sure. I know one of the studies was disproven, where they found that the information they were trying to send to two quantumly entangled uh, particles uh, 
one of them had received it like two seconds before they had sent it or something, but then they discovered that they had miscalculated. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was like a big, it was like a big news item for a day. And then like somebody was like, yeah, I don't think those calculations are right. (laughs) You got to harness the power of a collapsing Y2K. That's the key. Yeah. Oh man. The most powerful thing in the universe. (laughs) It caused the Mandela effect. It did. Mandela it did. effect, excuse me. I posted yeah. post that earlier on Facebook today about why 2K caused the Mandela effect, and some guy on there commented and said that like he'll never forget like on Y2K, his dad, such an asshole, that like his dad was waiting outside by the breaker boxes, and as soon as it rolled over midnight, he pulled the breaker on the whole house just so everybody would piss their pants. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what a dad. What a dad move, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. That is so good. Oh, my God. That would have been so funny because I, yeah. as I've said before, I was semi-genuinely worried about Y2K. Yeah, me too. I wonder how I would have reacted. I remember <laughs> the party I was at on because it was a high school party. Yeah. Were you um, partying with the Mikey Green? No, no, Mikey Green wasn't there. <laughs> I wonder funny. if Mikey Green listens. Hey, Mikey, hey, if you Mikey. listen, how you doing? Operation 420. <laughs> I do remember Operation 420. Yeah. <laughs> now, I also enjoy the inclusion of how there's still paper-based pornography in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what though? Like I was thinking, yeah, there would be in a ship unless they like we're still somehow connected to the internet at Neptune, right? Like, but I mean, do you think that you could have like some kind of a, yeah, you're like right. A, a fire, a fire stick that could generate holograms, boobies. And well, stuff. speaking of fire sticks, they had like a uh, 20 CD ROM drives in a row. Fuck yes. That was one of so, my favorite things in this movie is the goddamn CDs. It's like, dude, they yeah. were making this movie in 1997 and they're like, okay, this is taking place you know, 50 years in the future from now, do you think we'll ever come up with something better than a CD? No, I don't. I, there's no possible way it can get better than a CD. Well, yeah. I mean, what, what would it be? Like a bigger <laughs> CD? We already tried that. Yeah. <laughs> Records did not hold more information than a CD. Thank you. <laughs> we made it smaller and it made it better. I think records technically probably yeah, they, they, sound, <laughs> they do hold more information because they sound richer. Yeah, <laughs> We're going the wrong way making stuff smaller. We need to go bigger. What are we doing? Yeah. That's <laughs> actually true because the, we now use the like anything on iTunes is like 320 kilobits per second. It's like real low quality. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, the CDs really did crack me up because it was just like they couldn't conceive that anything could possibly get smaller or that you know you could have like a one terabyte hard drive that fits on your keychain and even oh, be yeah. saying that now you know in 10 years that's going to be a hilarious in 10 statement years. yeah probably five years right yeah that's what i was gonna say in five years like because i remember um i had uh, when I, I got my first like 16 gigabyte flash drive it wasn't that long ago i mean was, you know maybe five six years ago mm-hmm. But at that time, it was like, ah, that's so much information. Yeah. And now we're at a terabyte, which is uh, so much more than that. Um, Yeah, I can't imagine. I, I don't know, though. I mean, I, I don't know enough about computers to say, but I, I do believe that yeah, storage is going to keep increasing up until a, a certain point where 
we will find we can't increase it anymore i guess yeah yeah or it just gets inconveniently small <laughs> yeah i mean there's those those cassettes now that hold terabytes of information oh yeah yeah it could hold like the entire library of congress or some bullshit yeah so i don't know man I, I'm I'm just guessing. Yeah, you could probably have a pretty good spank bank of porn. Yeah, <laughs> that isn't on uh, glossy paper with an '80s chick. Wait, wait, maybe. Hold on, just a second. Maybe he's got that vintage thing. Maybe he's a hipster. That, <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think that's a hipster thing, or was a hipster thing? Hipsters don't exist anymore. Um, was that a hipster thing to be into Playboys? It could be, dude. It really, really uh, could be. It's like I've collected these uh, fucking vintage. Just waxing Playboys. your stupid mustache. And yeah. <laughs> dude, maybe that's the CD thing, too. Maybe this was just a big fucking hipster <laughs> ship. <laughs> what you didn't see is when he turned the CD over, it was actually like a KMFDM CD. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right, this gives me a, a theory Dude, then. That explains the straight razor too, because all these hipsters are in this shaving culture yeah. and shit. It, yeah, <laughs> maybe though, I didn't think about this, but maybe yeah. the event horizon reality is a dystopian future where technology has somewhat regressed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> They, they've, they've, because of the hipsters, they've developed much in the space realm, but everything is kind of regressed because everybody's like, oh, I like the sound quality of CDs or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be so interesting to find out if there were an event horizon two and they came back to earth and I don't know, everybody was wearing, I don't know, what would hipsters in 2047 be wearing? Um, <laughs> maybe, what, maybe the purpose high waisted that. jeans. I don't know. <laughs> That's already happening again. Damn it. Maybe the whole purpose that Sam Neill had when he made that black hole warp drive is he was trying to open up a portal to 1997 <laughs> and it was already leaking through. Like, <laughs> he pulled that CD and he was like, oh my God, it's working. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Maybe he, he tip types on one of those computer screens and he signs into his like AOL AIM messenger account. <laughs> you know what's interesting? Because. <laughs> 1997, I think back to that year, I can't think of anything, like, that stands out about the year 1997. I don't think anybody had done a 900 yet, or maybe they just, maybe, maybe just recently done a 900. That's a huge turning yeah. point. Yeah, I think, I think Tony Hawk did that maybe in 99 or 2000, <laughs> I'm not even sure. Um, but, I, I mean, like... That does seem like the year, though, like like that mentality of picking some obscure thing to like really define your personality. 1997. I'd love to meet the 1997 hipster, like walking around with AOL discs and uh, <laughs> I don't know, like a Bart Simpson shirt that he wanted a fair. Some Jinkos. So, oh God, Jinkos actually are coming back. <laughs> I saw That's, that. Jesus Christ, yeah. dude. Oh, yeah, that's really me. sad. Yeah. I never, I never owned a pair of Jinkos, and I was right there in the the their like square in their market uh, research. I imagine like yeah. they were probably sitting around thinking like, how are we going to get them to put on fucking Jinkos? <laughs> what can we do next? Add more buckles? I don't know. No, I listen. I uh, I hung out with people who wore Jinkos. Sure, those were those were my peeps. Yeah, but uh, always. I was always a uh, uh, wear pants that are comfortable. <laughs> 
<laughs> type of guy. And not a what the hell? Like, what are you gonna do with that much denim? Like, what are you ah. gonna do with all that room in there? You know what? Like, I do remember um, two of my friends putting on the same pair of Jinko jeans. <laughs> that <laughs> At was the same fun. time. Yeah, yeah, one in one leg, one in the other. With somebody else's, like, a much larger person's jeans. That was fun, so. It would have been awesome if at one point we would have seen him, like, pull out a pair of, like, Airwalk shoes out of a locker or something. <laughs> you know? Like, Sam Neill is just obsessed with, like, the mid-late 90s, and that's his whole uh-huh. intention. He's just <laughs> like, man, what about this impeachment of Clinton, huh? <laughs> I think we, I think we just discovered an alternate version of this movie that is far superior oh yeah absolutely um so uh, there's like that's this is interesting about this movie because i like this movie i don't have a whole lot to say about it though because yeah same same here man same here in the end it is it's it really is just a bunch of set pieces that are cool yeah um I don't mind that Pretty linear story. Yeah, I don't mind that there's you know some discrepancy. Like you know you have that real sort of intense confrontation between Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne on the the walkway part mm-hmm. where he basically he says I am the ship or whatever, and then like disappears in the darkness. I love that scene where Morpheus is like I'm gonna go off and I'm gonna fire missiles at it. Fuck this ship. fuck this ship i rewinded it so we could hear it again he just goes fuck this ship it's awesome fuck this ship um that's really good but then the next scene with sam neil is he finds uh peters after she's you know fallen and she's all bloody and broken and it looks cool but like he's like oh peters and yeah. it's like, what? Like, what happened here? Did, did you guys mix up some scenes or something? I don't yeah. know. Like, yeah, was that shot out of sequence? Like, was that was that edited weird or what? Yeah, because yeah. that's what we were both saying, too. Or, like, didn't he just not care about all these people dying a second ago? <laughs> yeah. I, his turn, his, his, uh, his, you know, face to heel turn does happen pretty fucking quick, too. It really does. And there's no real character consistency. Like the character of DJ, who is played by Lucius Malfoy. Um, Wait, no way. Yeah, DJ that is like Doctor DJ. Uh huh. That's Jason Isaacs. That is uh, Holy Lucius Malfoy. Fuck! I did not even notice that. Yeah. Well, without that uh, bleach blonde hair, he does look a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> He's different without a wand. That's true, but the, okay, this is what I was going to say. There's that scene where he holds a scalpel to the one guy's neck, and it looked so much like he was holding a wand to him. Like, oh, doesn't man. that happen in the ministry? Lucius shows yeah. up, and he grabs one of them and holds a wand to their throat. Like, it looked exactly like that to me. I like to think that the producers of Harry Potter were just, like, you know, wrestling over cast choices, and they watched Event Horizon. It got to that part, and they went, wait, he's perfect. <laughs> it's him. <laughs> um... But, like, yeah, his character is just so inconsistent. It doesn't yeah. really make any sense. Like, when he does that, when he holds the the um, the scalpel to Cooper's neck, it's really confusing to me. Like, yeah. why would he suddenly do that? Yeah, he comes at him a little bit hot. Yeah, and he sort of acts like, yeah, that was weird, but then there's no, they don't address it. Yeah, like, no follow-through or anything. Yeah, um, so his character's kind of all over the place, and you don't get a whole lot about him. And as I said, they cut, 
you know, the scene that talked about him being a sickly child, et cetera. So maybe that would have all made more sense. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, because this isn't the full two hours that the director intended, maybe a lot of the, you know, problems would have been ironed out. Like we would have obviously understood each of the characters motivations more maybe it would have made each of the scenes mean more mm -hmm. but i don't think so <laughs> i think it really is just a bunch of good fun horror set pieces and it has a good like um that imminent feeling of of something always being around the corner there are a lot of sort of attempts at jump scares but like there is some real genuine terror to it mm -hmm. so it's fun it's a fun it's a fun movie but it it's missing a lot. Yeah, I can agree with that, man. I can totally agree with that. I, I do like a lot of the the flashed visuals of that hellish environment that they're going yeah. to and stuff. It's real um, good stuff. There's like a guy getting like a another guy's arm like shoved down his throat and all this crazy yes! stuff and just so fucking crazy. Oh man. Like there's a lot of really sick stuff and it's like, man, those are easily the coolest parts of the movie. And even like Sam Neill with his eyes after he rips his own eyes out and stuff. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. That makeup where he's sitting there having that conversation and his eyes are just kind of like squeezed shut looks so fucking cool and surreal. And, it does. And gross. It also reminded me of Davros, the uh, creator of the Daleks from Doctor Who. Oh, shit, yeah. Like the, the way that uh, it seemed like that's what they were going for. And also, in relation to Doctor Who, there was a Doctor Who episode that was obviously inspired by Event Horizon. Yeah, uh, it was actually the two-part episode where he basically can, has a confrontation with Satan. That episode uh, is so badass. It's really good, and the introduction of the Ood. So that's, right. that's always fun. That's the, right. The uh, strangely Cthulhu-faced uh, but oddly pussy-mouthed uh, creatures. <laughs> that's a cool episode. I remember watching that a couple of years ago, and I was like, I think this is like Event Horizon. Yeah, it really is. Uh, but like. Also, when I think about that, that's actually something I was thinking about on the second watch through Event Horizon was I was thinking about that epi that two-part episode of Doctor Who yeah. and thinking specifically about what they changed. Like, they didn't change a whole lot to the, the plot to make it specifically Doctor Who, mm -hmm. but they did make the characters richer. Yeah, they made it better, yeah. Yeah, they they made it better in the end, but uh, I, I do. I mean, I still prefer the gore of Event Horizon to the lightness of that Doctor Who episode. Right? Yeah, I know what you mean, man. I know exactly what you mean. I really wish we could have got some backstory too about how Sam Neill achieved that old school strongman physique that he has. He looks like his. His, his workout leading up to this movie was probably lifting a lot of triangular weights, um, perhaps perhaps battling in the game of fisticuffs, um, <laughs> perhaps wearing a, a leotard that just went over one shoulder and having a, a curled mustache. Yeah, he's like got a leopard that strong, print leotard. Yeah, he's got that strong man body, like this big barrel chest and kind of like... He does. Kind of a gut that's kind of sucked in a little bit. Yeah, he, he does... It, I, I would call that uh yeah, that's Fisticuff's body for sure. Yeah. I, I wanna I wanna work on that scalawag bod. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like on. to be referred to as a rogue. 
<laughs> oh man yeah i know what you mean it's it's an enjoyable flick it, it is definitely it's not perfect by any means i do wish we could have seen the real thing i uh i really like the makeup of uh demonic uh sam neil yeah the all cuts the, like, all over him the cuts and stuff i love that and if you um just I will include this link on maybe our Twitter Twitter and definitely on the Facebook, but like there's a there are some pictures of him in full in the makeup that you don't actually get in the movie. Really? You only really get in the movie you only really get uh his face. Yeah, it's a lot of close-ups. You don't get to see his full body as much. But it's like real cool design. But (laughs) when I finally like I was thinking about why it was interesting to me. I finally caught what it was that I I was seeing in it. It is that he looks like the shitty Deadpool from the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie. Oh shit. He looks so much like it's yeah. so similar to that Ryan that like the shitty yeah, Ryan shitty Reynolds Deadpool, Deadpool yeah. before the good Ryan Reynolds Deadpool. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're totally right. I hadn't thought about that. So like X-Men Origins Wolverine, they were like the makeup artist was like, remember that awesome makeup from um from the Horizon? Horizon? Do that. We we should do that with a character. And the director was like, yeah, we'll do that with Deadpool. And then everybody was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> but why? Don't worry about it. Who? Why? What? We'll That's make funny. him kind of look like Baraka from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Jesus God. Oh, man, what a travesty <laughs> that movie fucking was. Now, let me ask you this, Steve. Like, I had an idea about this movie, and this this may be me looking way too far into it. This also might be me just imagining maybe something that could have made this movie cooler. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool, and is it possible, that the whole reason that Sam Neill, like, built, you know, the crazy Event Horizon ship with this black hole drive that could open up a portal to another dimension and stuff, I like to think that he was trying to go off in search of his wife. Like, he was trying to find his wife, like, in the afterlife, and he accidentally opened up a portal to hell to get to her. You know what I'm saying? Like, that would be fucking cool. That would be, and there is a deep story going on with Sam Neill that doesn't come out in the movie because he is having the hallucinations from the beginning of the movie. Yeah, meaning that the ship is calling to him from Neptune on Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like he has this connection to it, and yeah. he he does become it basically. Yeah, and it, it does seem like yeah, like. Was that the intention in the first place to build this machine that might take you into where she is? Yeah. And then it, that that would make it seem like, okay, the ending would be we would sort of understand that he did open uh, a realm to where she is and where she is is hell. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so badass. Like that would yeah. be fucking bad. That's very, very Clive Barker to think of like yeah. going on this romantic journey through hell, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, that's really, I mean, cause the void kind of has that where like at mm. the end, you know, they walk into that strange hellscape and they're together as a couple. Like mm. it's, there's that weird, not even bittersweet, but like, super bitter with a tiny bit of sugar where it's like yeah. oh well they're <laughs> together again 
that's at least there's nice. that i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that that would have been interesting so yeah what's your overall thoughts on this flick and how would you give this thing a rating on a one to ten scale man i'll tell you what overall uh this is still an enjoyable movie yeah it, do- it doesn't anger me at all and that's something I, I really like in a movie when <laughs> I'm watching it and I don't get mad at it. Yeah. And since I'm not mad at it, I, I want to give it a good score. But then in the end, it doesn't compare to most of the movies that we've dealt with that are above, say, uh, six. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say this movie's about a six. Yeah. It's, um, it's good. It's not great. It has awesome stuff that will stick with you and that you'll like. And you you know what? I, I would say in 10 years, I'll still probably like this movie. Yeah. Because I, I accept its flaws. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, you can just sit back and watch it. It's kind of like what you were saying before. It's just a fucking movie. Yeah, this one is just a fucking movie. It has good stuff. It has stuff that's not so great, but it's, it's imminently watchable and so... <laughs> the gore is so good. I mm. like it a lot. Uh, what about you, Ben? I think that's a really fair assessment, dude. Um, you know, like you said, this it's by no means perfect. There's some really clunky exposition in the movie, too, that reminded me of Alien Covenant, where it's just like, hey, we uh-huh. woke up from hypersleep. Now, what are we doing on this ship? Well, here's our mission. Like, <laughs> come on. And even him having to, like, explain what a wormhole is to these, like, you know, fucking astronauts. It's like, Jesus, really? Yeah. Like, there's no cleaner way you could have explained this and stuff. So there's there's problems in it. But at the same time, man, it's like this movie was obviously made by somebody who loves horror movies. You know, he, he, yes. he put his influences. I even feel like by including lines like, you know, such wonderful things to show you. It's like he wasn't even trying to hide his no. influences and that he is a horror nerd and we are horror nerds watching this movie like watching the tribute aspect of it and seeing all these parts of other movies that I love made me happy because I know that the guy that made this also loves those things so I enjoy that about it and like you said some of the visuals like the the core there is just so memorable looking Sam Neill's makeup and stuff is fucking awesome there's a lot to enjoy about it some decent acting not terrible um Cooper is a little silly in the movie. He's a little bit silly. He is, but um, not annoyingly so. Yeah. Uh-uh. No, yeah, never never in a ridiculous kind of yeah. way. Uh, there's funny things to laugh about with some of the bad CGI and dated technology that just very uh-huh. much cement this thing in time. This is not a timeless movie whatsoever. No. But it's still very enjoyable. Like it's, I don't think it overstays its welcome. Um, the pacing is good. I don't feel like there's really much dull moments or anything in here. And the visuals are, are are on point to me. So this is one of those ones that, like you said, I would I would watch it again. Wouldn't be sad to see it again. Um, I'm not going to call it one of my favorites, but I am happy to see it in the um, in the genre of sci-fi horror because there are not enough good sci-fi horror movies, man. Um, at least ones there really that don't aren't. In, no, at least ones that don't involve like some shitty alien ending up on earth like species or some shit like there's really not a lot of those good we're trapped in space kind of flicks out there obviously alien is the reigning motherfucking king but there needs to be more so it makes me happy that there is another good sci-fi horror flick out there um i think i liked it a little bit more than you do i'm gonna say like six and a half six and a half i think is a good score hell yeah a good watch i'll definitely recommend it 
Um, now, next week on the show, we're going to be covering another flick that I don't think that I have seen for, I think, dude, I think the last time I saw this movie was 2003, because uh, I remember watching it with my buddy Josh um, over, at his, oh, okay. over at his parents' house. So, it's been a long time since I've seen The Ring, the American one, not Ringu, but the uh, the yeah. American one with Naomi Watts and shit in it. So, I'm excited to watch that again, because it's been forever. I remember liking it whenever it came out. Yeah, we're not we're not uh, avoiding Ringu because we dislike it. I like Ringu as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wanted to watch The Ring again. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, I I remember enjoying it's it on HBO, and it is on HBO. I like Naomi Watts. I like. Uh, I really remember enjoying it. Uh, even I had seen Ringu first. And oh really? I you know this was a time when people were. I don't think people are as uppity about uh, foreign remakes uh now mm-hmm. but back then uh especially j horror fans of the time were like no i don't want to see an american remake of the ring or ringu uh you dishonor family that's what they would say and it Sepuku. would be like you're white what <laughs> what Sepuku? you can't do that that's not cool it's just a movie <laughs> but i i think they they work uh, well as as separate entities like uh, there are definitely a lot of you know uh, foreign remakes uh, whether uh, an American remake of a foreign movie or a foreign remake of an American movie mm-hmm. that are uh, good a lot of times they're not and a lot of times it doesn't seem to be justified that it happened but I think in this case the ring is really good so I'm excited to watch it again I am too in the meantime you guys be sure to go on iTunes rate and review our podcast Uh, we spend a lot of time watching movies making these podcasts and editing and uploading and stuff so please go on iTunes rate and review keep it G rated or else they will not post it you guys can follow me on Instagram and the Twitter at Ben Eller Guitars. Steve, where they where can they find you and our, our podcast feeds? Uh you can find me at Steven Spratling. You'll figure out how to spell it. Um <laughs> you can always email us at dead and lovely pod at gmail.com. Love getting emails. Uh we also have a Facebook group. Uh also you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Dead Lovely Pod. And please do keep those suggestions coming. Actually this uh this episode here, Event Horizon, was due to a whole lot of Yeah, it's been a lot of suggested a million times. Yeah, yeah, like a bunch of people wanted to hear this, and so this is thanks to you guys. So whenever there's another thing you guys want to hear covered on the show, please drop us a line on Facebook or email or whatever. And we will do your bidding. In the meantime, (laughs) (laughs) you guys have been fine and dandy, and we have been dead and lovely. Good night, y'all. Bye-bye. Bye.